what is real wealth, right? I kept telling myself a balance in a 401k was wealth. That's just money, right? And, and once I got clear on what I really wanted and what real wealth truly is in life, then I could refocus my efforts, refocus my time, refocus my attention on building and living a life that I love right now. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. Just trying to stay dry over here. It's I'm looking out my window. It's like pouring and it's freezing. It's like 50. Yeah. It's so cold. Yeah, <laughs> I've got my tea. So, um, well, today we've got a very special guest on the podcast, Ryan Lee, co-founder of Atlas Wealth and also co-founder of Cashflow Tactics. Now, I know a little bit about Ryan, but I know you know a lot about Ryan. So I know through Atlas Wealth, they help people to utilize whole life insurance policies in conjunction with real estate investing to really fast track wealth creation. And through cash flow tactics, they empower people to to really rise up and take control of their financial plan so that they can live free. But tell us about your experience working with Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So I first discovered Ryan in a YouTube video that I came across randomly. You know how you fall into these little rabbit holes and you'll type mm-hmm. up a topic or whatnot and all of a sudden you find all these people um, on, on YouTube. Uh, and that's how I found him. And you know, the thing for me that really stood out when I first heard him talking about this, these strategies that they teach is this idea of being able to have your money work for you in two places at the same time. And when I first heard him say that, it was so mind-blowing for me because you know, traditionally, as he explains in his videos, you, you're either able to have your money and spend it or you have your money and you save it, but you can't do both at the same time. And these whole life insurance policies allow you to do just that, allow you to save it and also spend it at the same time. And so you're essentially having your money work for you in two places at the very same time, which is such an important um, part of my investment strategy that I have now. Uh, so whenever I make an investment, I use my whole life insurance policies with that and it helps to give my, my policies a boost. Uh, and I also have them on my kids as well. And so it, um, you know, is creating basically a place for them where they have, uh, you know, a bank, so to speak. So instead of having like a, you know, bank account for them, a savings account, we use their policies. And so all of this I've learned mm-hmm. from Ryan. Um, he's full of so many different strategies. He also has three young kids at home. And so, um, you know, a lot of what he teaches and what he does is also centered around family and, and uh, investing and things like that. So I was so excited to get him on the show. Uh, and we're definitely going to have to do a round two because we could barely get to everything we needed to get to. There's so much information. Um, but uh, yes, it was such a good episode. Yeah, he shares so much wisdom and drops so many good resources too. That's the thing is like he, even though he's doing all these um, advanced strategies now, he really talks about how he started out where many people start out. Mm -hmm. He was following all the rules and and climbing the corporate ladder. He didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. whole life insurance or real estate investing when he started. And he really talks about a lot of the resources that really made it 
an impact on mm-hmm. his life and his journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening to this and this is the first time you've heard about using whole life insurance to um, to build wealth, I know there's a lot of conflicting uh, opinions out there about it. So I want you to go in with an open mind um, and you're really going to enjoy this episode because Ryan Lee is just full of wisdom. Enjoy this episode. Ryan, how are you? I am so good. We are, I'm not sure when this is going to be live, but it's leading up to Christmas. It's snowing outside here in Utah. And so we'll do a podcast today and I'm going to go skiing. So how could it be any better? Sweet. Well, we are stoked for this conversation. Now, Ryan, through cash flow tactics, you teach people, and this is going to sound crazy, but you teach people how to achieve financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of age, income, or experience. Now, maybe it's just me, but 10 years to financial freedom, that sounds crazy, especially when, you know, when I was growing up, I was taught that, you know, you got to study hard, get a nice (laughs) job, you work 40 years or so, probably more than 40 years. And then maybe, maybe if you're lucky, you've worked really hard, you've saved, then you get a chance to retire. And even then you might not be guaranteed that you'll have enough money to last the rest of your life. So, was this something that, like, w- when you were growing up, was this ingrained in you that, you know, someday you can, son, you can grow up and you could just be financially free. You don't have to work like everybody else. Did your parents teach you some special s- secret sauce that the rest of us didn't know about? Oh, I tell you what, I wish, right? I think I think we're all here because we had to unlearn most of what we were trained, taught, and educated to do, whether it was by our parents or by society or by school just like the two of you, I followed the exact traditional path, right? I mean, when I decided to be a responsible adult, I knew without ever questioning it that you go to school. And then once I got my degree, I knew without ever questioning it that I get a job. And then I knew that I save a certain percentage of my income. And the very first place it goes without ever questioning it was to a company-sponsored 401k to get my company-sponsored match. And I followed all of the rules And I did that for quite some time and I followed them really well and I thought I was well on my way. But, you know, for me, I really felt like I was losing a lot of, if not almost everything I truly cared about in my pursuit of one day, in my pursuit of retirement. And some things kind of came up along the way for me that caused me to start to question the reality that I was allowing myself to believe. And that the further down that rabbit hole I went, the more I realized that just because that's what I've been trained by society to do, that might not be the best path. So that's kind of what led to what is now cash flow tactics today. But it started with an internal journey more than anything, trying to figure out my own path to being empowered mm-hmm. with money and not, you know, hoping that one day it all worked out. So tell us, tell us about that journey. Tell us about the. I know the story very well, but why don't you share with Annie and our audience? You know the the life that you were living and you know, what things look like to, to get you to a point of, you know, where you are today and wanting to start something like Cashflow Tactics and Atlas Wealth and, and all of that. Tell us about that story. Yeah. Okay. That's great, Julia. And yeah, it's, it's been such a pleasure. I've, I've known you now for years. And so it's, it's fun to share this, you know, um, so I graduated college and I'll never forget, you know, during college, one thing that I was brought up with that I feel so grateful for is I was brought up with a really a Dave Ramsey approach to 
to just finances and debt. And so I worked really hard through college. I had two jobs. I had two internships. I did 25 credits my senior year. So I was like really going at it. But I, I graduated. And, and during college, I had a side hustle, right? I had a business that I did on the weekends where I rounded up a bunch of high school kids. And here in Utah, I don't know if they do it in California, but here in Utah, you know, we aerate people's lawns. You know, you take a big machine and like poke holes in people's lawns. And I had a truck and I had a couple aerators and it doesn't sound like much, but I would go round up some high school kids and we'd go knock on people's doors and say, Hey, I've got an aerator on the truck. Do you want me to aerate your lawn? And if we didn't do it, they had to go rent one or, you know, figure out how to get one. And so I let the high school kids keep 50% of what they earned and they would earn four or five, 600 bucks on a weekend. And I would keep the other 50%. And that's really how I paid my way through college. And I'll never forget, I got my first paycheck, right? I had a four-year degree. My first uh, professional job required me to move to Tucson, Arizona. So I'm sitting on the steps of Bank of America, getting ready to cash my first paycheck. And after all of the deductions, the taxes, the insurance, I had less with a college degree after two weeks worth of working. I had less money to show for it than I did on a Saturday side hustling to get myself <laughs> Sounds college. about right. <laughs> and, and what were you doing? What was your job at the time? So I graduated and I was an operations director. So I would go into um, school districts, K through 12 school districts, and we would mm -hmm. commercialize and operationalize the food service program and turn it into a revenue generating source rather than mm. revenue depletion. And when, when I remember sitting there on the bank of, of uh, Bank of America, getting ready to go in and cash that check. And I thought to myself, I should just quit, right? This isn't worth it. But Again, all that social conditioning kicked in. I, I was married. Mm -hmm. I had a child on the way. And I decided to climb the corporate ladder as fast and as hard as I could. I put all of my mm -hmm. attention into just going faster within the corporate world. And it seemed like every six to 12 months, I would get a promotion. And mm -hmm. in the line of work that I worked in, every promotion required a move and a new territory. And, you know, in the first, you know, five years of marriage, we'd lived in six different, um, you know, cities and four different states. And we were constantly on the move. And, you know, some of my promotions, my, my wife, she was, it was so hard and it required so much travel because, you know, the geography got bigger and bigger that I would live in a different state than my family. And I would just commute back mm. and forth back home. And it got to the point where, you know, really, as I looked at my life, I was losing connection with my young mm -hmm. children. I was losing connection with my, my wife. I was losing connection with myself because, yeah. you know, it, my profession required so much out of me. And I kept telling myself, I'll get it all back. I'll get it all back one day when I have enough money. And it was such a vague idea of retirement that I didn't really stop to look at it. But then 2008 hit. And in 2008, you know, I had just crested $100,000 in my 401k. And again, I, and I didn't know if that was good or bad, but you know, it felt like I had a, some money put aside. And 2008, I lost 80% of what I had oh saved up to that. Gosh. I looked that up oh. for the first time and I was like, oh my gosh. Not only am I losing what I want, you know, in life, yeah. this isn't going to work. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning, I felt like I thought I was just stupid, you know, because maybe I had done something that someone else had. But I looked at all my coworkers and they were in the same boat yeah. I was, right? They were mm -hmm. thinking, okay, retirement might not be a reality. This isn't going to work. We're going to have to work longer. We're going to have to save harder. And I realized for the first time, I'm doing the same thing they're doing, but somehow I was expecting a mm -hmm. different result. And that's mm -hmm. what started opening up a rabbit hole of saying, how do I do things different? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Wow. So you had worked all these years. That, that is just crazy. So you'd worked all these, you followed the rules, what everybody was telling you, and you saved up this money. You were sacrificing your time with your family for the hope that one day you would get that time back and have that freedom. And all of a sudden you go from a hundred K down to 20 K that must've been gut wrenching. Yeah. It, it was. And, and it just, you know, I, I, I felt like that was just what you do because as I started looking for solutions and answers, the only response that I got back is you just, you're in it for the long yeah. run. The market's always yeah. up. And as I looked at that dichotomy, I didn't want to be in it for yeah. the long run. I didn't want to have to climb the corporate ladder and sacrifice mm-hmm. and sacrifice and sacrifice, hoping that one day it was going to work out. And, you know, on the tail end of losing money in, in 2008 in the stock market, like two months after that, I was living up in Indianapolis and my wife and my family were living back in Texas and my wife called me one day and, you know, my, my son was born with a, with a heart defect and we knew about it from, from birth. We'd been monitoring it and um, we had been hoping um, that along with his growth, the heart defect would kind of self-improve over time. And she called me one day and she was breaking down and crying on the other end of the phone, telling me that our son was going to need an emergency open heart surgery. And I tell you what, like at that point, I really started to question the reality that I was living in. I'm living in a different state than my family. I'm trading my best days and years for money, hoping that one day I'm going to get everything back. But along the way, I'm losing everything that I care about. And I came home and I'll never forget being in the hospital with my son for that, for that next couple of weeks. I just started to question everything. What is it that I want? And that's, you know, taking myself out of the context of, you know, money and time, like just getting clear on what I wanted opened up a whole new possibility and allowed me to start to ask different questions to say, okay, if I want something different than what I'm doing, what do I need to do to mm-hmm. get it? Mm-hmm. The universe doesn't hand out much bigger wake up calls than open heart surgery. That, wow. And is he doing okay now? Oh, he's doing fantastic now. He's, uh, he's, man, he's grown. He's, he's almost 14 now. I, I have a teenager now and he's, uh, he's a ski bomb. He loves to be up skiing. He's uh, he's a great, great young man. And so he, yes, thank you for asking that. He, that, that, that helped me see what I wanted. And I'm, I'm yeah. so grateful that he's okay. But mm-hmm. that really helped open up the reality of what is real wealth, right? I kept telling myself a balance in a 401k was wealth. That's mm-hmm. just money, right? And, and once I got clear on what I really wanted and what real wealth truly is in life, mm-hmm. then I could refocus my efforts, refocus my time, refocus my attention on building and living a life that I love right now. Okay. So I want to ask two questions here because I think a lot of people, they get to this point and they say, okay, well, what do I want? And then they get stuck, right? (laughs) Like, well, what do I want? So how, what did you come up with? What, What, through that reflection, what did you decide you ultimately wanted out of life? Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. And I agree with you. I, I think one of our biggest resources and assets that we have is our attention. And in the world that we live in today, I, I truly feel whether it's, you know, whether it's a bad thing, but I, I don't know. I truly feel like the world is conspiring against us because it's trying to zap our attention everywhere we turn. Mm-hmm. You know, our phones are ringing. There's emails, there's text messages, there's you know, there's coworkers, there's so much demands on our time and our attention that most people never exercise the muscle. And when I first started, I didn't exercise the muscle and it was really hard. Mm. Like my first decision of what I wanted, the only thing I could get clear on is I didn't want what I currently had. I was in 
so much pain at that moment. I, you know, I had to get clear on, I didn't want what I had, Mm -hmm. but then what really opened up for me, and I can't remember what book I read this in. So much of the answers that I got in the beginning came from just personal study and going back and treating life as, um, you know, in school I was used to studying, right. But out of school, I didn't study. And so I started studying the people that I admired, the, the lives that I wanted to live. And there was someone that said, look, right now you're in so much pain and I get that. But what would your life look like if you had three months? Money wasn't a care. Money wasn't an issue. You did the travel that would alleviate the stress that you're in right now. What would you do with three months of free time? And for the first time that started to open up, yeah, I don't want to travel for the rest of my life. I don't want to just sit on a beach and retire. Mm -hmm. What do I want? What are the unique skills and gifts and talents that I have that when I'm living in that in that area of genius, it brings me fulfillment. And how do I find what they are and start living on purpose rather than waiting for one day and waiting for permission? And that started to open up a reality for me that I wanted to be more purpose-driven. But then it came back to the point that, you know, I, I had now gone in lots of different avenues in my personal career. I'd worked for two different companies. And I realized I just that I wasn't cut out for that. That's not what I wanted. But on the same token, I wasn't a big risk taker. And so I felt this real trap, right? Do I stay in the corporate world? Do I continue to climb the corporate ladder? Do I trade and trade and hope for one day? But then I became obsessed with this idea of the thing that was holding me back was this idea of I needed to figure out how to make money work for me, not for one day, but to start to generate a stream of income that would replace me having to trade my time for money. So this idea of financial freedom. And that's really what opened up. And where we got 10 years or less Again, book, right? I read Robert Allen back in the day and he had a book, Creating Wealth. And I'll never forget, I was still up in Indianapolis, right? I had to go back up there after my my son's heart surgery and I'm reading this book. And he talked about what would your life look like if you bought two homes every year? Mm -hmm. And you repeated that for 10 years and he walked through this whole science and math and everything that he was doing. And for the first time, I'll never forget that. I saw a possibility. I saw, okay, Mm -hmm. that I can do that. I can do that. And I realized the only thing that was standing in the way of where I was today and what I wanted, it wasn't an external force. It wasn't the markets. It wasn't the taxes. It wasn't anything that I felt was I was a victim of. It was me. If I wanted something, I had to become the person capable of generating it and creating it. That was it. And that opened up a huge, huge opportunity for me to go down this rabbit hole of personal development and becoming the person capable of generating and creating financial freedom. Mm -hmm. So you, you just had this massive personal transformation, essentially, right? Your son has just had this major surgery. You've spent time really reflecting on your life and figuring out what you want out of life. You've done a lot of studying. You've sort of figured out some potential strategies. So then what, what did you do next? Did you go, go back to Indianapolis and quit your job and then go out and buy rental properties? Did you like start a business? What, what did you do next? That's a great question. So honestly, I started applying what I was learning in these books. So the two books that really started opening up a different path for me was first Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think all of us, we've, and I'm so grateful for that guy, for Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. He just, like when I read that book, at first I kind of went through the stages of grief. I was mad. I was sad. And then I was just straight up motivated, right? I felt like everything I was doing for the first time, I realized a 401k is not going to get me what I want, right? And everything I thought was the right path, it was the traditional path to hoping one day I'll have enough money. And so I, I started doing the exact opposite. I started doing what we talk about now with life insurance and real estate and putting these two things together. 
And I started going out and taking massive action. And honestly, I'm grateful that I did that. I did everything wrong. I mean, everything you could possibly do wrong, I did wrong. And I just had enough maybe stupidity or just enough determination because of what I had gone through that no matter what it was, I was going to figure it out. And it, in the beginning, I felt like I would take one step forward and five steps back or one step forward and 10 steps back. But I kept getting back up and taking the next step forward and just mm-hmm. continuing to do it until I, over time, I started to find a few things that consistently worked. Mm-hmm. And the more they consistently worked, the more I focused on those things until I just was able to build a strategy to say, okay, look, this is my path to financial freedom. And if I just repeat the process over and over and over and over again, I'm going to get there. I feel like that's such a, like that glimmer of hope is always what we just did a podcast last night and um, we were talking with someone there about, and about how she's created all these passive income streams. And, you know, when you see that something is working, it's like at that moment that you start to understand that, hey, if I just focused on this and did more of it, then I'm going to get to somewhere I never even thought I could get to, um, which is so powerful, you know. I love that idea, Julie. Totally. That's that glimmer of hope. I mean, I couldn't see a year down the road. I couldn't see like where I'm at today. I couldn't see it. I could see the possibility and I believed in the possibility And then I just had to put my focus into what's the first thing I have to do? What's the next step to take? And I would take a step somewhat into, you know, a barely lit path, Mm -hmm. but, you know, mostly into the darkness. And as I took that step, then the next Mm -hmm. step would illuminate and the next step would illuminate. And as, as you mentioned, Julie, as I, as I got that glimmer of hope that A, what I was doing was working and B, I could replicate the process then it started allowing me to go faster and faster and faster. Right. Yeah. And that was such a similar thing for me when I discovered passive investing through multifamily syndications. The first deal I did, I was like, oh my gosh, this is mind blowing. True Ugh. epitome of rich dad, poor dad, putting your money out there to work for you and became obviously so passionate about that as it you know helps families and parents and things like that. So um, yeah, so powerful. I wish I would have been the guy that like, same thing when I got that first stream of cash flow coming in, like I'll never forget it. I I literally had an epiphany shift because up to that point, Mm -hmm. I had to wake up, I had to sit in the commute, I had to show up, I had to put up with all the demands on my time and my attention and whether I liked it or not, if I didn't show up, no money came in the bank account. And then that first stream of income, I realized, oh my gosh, if that home, like the way I thought about it, and I don't know if this is, but it helped me kind of break it down into bite-sized chunks. Like that first home, I felt like it was paying Mm -hmm. for my car payment. If one home would pay for a car payment, then I just needed to add a few more on top of that to pay for my mortgage and a few more on top of that to put food on the table. And I started reverse engineering it to say, okay, I need 16 homes to give myself the permission to walk away from trading time from, you know, mm, time for money. Right. And that, like, once I saw a target and I had some success, man, I just got, and I got, it, it went a little bit too far, but I got <laughs> obsessed. I got obsessed <laughs> with the idea and, and taking action. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get back to our conversation with Ryan in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. 
We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now... Back to our chat with Ryan Lee. So tell us what you guys do at Atlas Wealth. So let's start there because that's when I first discovered you. Cashflow tactics didn't exist yet. At Atlas Wealth, you all teach so many incredible strategies there. So tell us a little bit about what Atlas Wealth is and what you guys do with your clients there and, and how that works. And then we'll move into, I want to dive into cashflow tactics, which is turned into a beast of something else in terms of the value and the community and so powerful. So, but let's start with Atlas Wealth. Let's talk there a little bit about how that came about and what you guys teach there. Awesome, Julie. This might actually be the answer to one of the questions we'll talk about later on as well, but Atlas Wealth started in a two-person mastermind. (laughs) Honestly, it did. (laughs) So I was living in Denver. I was still working in my corporate job and I joined my very first mastermind. And honestly, this mastermind, we just got together and we were, we were reading books and talking about the books. And there was six people and we broke the mastermind into like when we read a book, you know, half of the, the group had to support the idea. Half of the group had to attack the idea. And it was really awesome. It was really good learning. And each one of us were in different stages. I mean, we're all kind of in the same stage of our life, but we had different careers. We had different income streams, but we were all focused on improving ourselves and and learning more about just philosophy and economics and money and and all of that kind of stuff. But there was one person in the group that, you know, he just resonated with me and I resonated with him and we really started to hit it off and we wanted to move faster, Mm -hmm. right? Meeting once a month or I can't remember how often we met, but what we were doing wasn't fast enough. And so the two of us, we started breaking off and talking more about, at first it started, you know, same thing, just improving, but then we started talking about each other's financial plans. And we started to form an internal mastermind. I wanted to be free, he wanted to be free, Mm -hmm. and we started sharing what was working and what wasn't. And I'm really good at moving, and you guys know my business partner, Brad, that guy, if you've ever watched the movie Matrix, um, he can see the world in numbers. And for me, I, I knew what I was doing was working, but I had no idea why. I couldn't prove it. I couldn't like I couldn't, you know, bring the math to it. And when I showed him what I was doing, he's like, Oh my gosh, let's figure this out. And he started putting the math to it. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is why it's working. We're operating off of mm-hmm. fundamental mathematical principles. And once we started to do this, every week we would meet. And and it started that mm-hmm. way. That's where Atlas Wealth Solutions started is 
how do we take high cash value life insurance and cash flowing real estate and put them together? How do we meld these two instruments and tools together to achieve financial freedom in a, you know, we say 10 years or less. And how do we do that? And how do we map it out and chart it out to where we can show how anyone, regardless of their age, income, or experience can do the same thing. And that's where Atlas Wealth Solutions Mm -hmm. started was bringing what I was doing and what Brad was doing together and figuring out first and foremost how we could do it. And then as we started doing it, you know, and getting success with it, you know, naturally all the people that in the beginning said, you're crazy. A lot of those people came back and said, yeah. What the heck yeah. are you guys doing? What yeah. are you doing? Tell us about yeah. it. Cause wait, 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 wait a second. Because, okay, so you, you were talking about rental properties, right? So I'm with you there. Rental properties, yes. You buy rental properties, the cash flows, you get, get. but then, and, and then you said, okay, your target is 16 to cover your living expenses. I'm with you there. Okay, now you bring out this life insurance yeah. from left field. Okay, where did that come from? <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so funny. So as I started going down the rabbit hole of just personal developments, I read a book called Creature from Jekyll Islands. And it talked about how the banking system is set up and how, you know, how banks use leverage. And they don't care if you're, you know, if you're putting your money in the bank to save it or if you're taking loans, they win in both cases. And it kind of went into a mm-hmm. deep, dark hole of how, you know, governments and economies use the monetary policy to control, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the people in the country. But it opened up this idea that of how powerful banks are. And that naturally led me to other books, which eventually I found the book, um, Becoming Your Own Banker, written by this guy named Nelson Nash. He recently passed away. Um, I think he, he lived up until, you know, late 80s. But he wrote the foundational book on how high cash value life insurance can be used as an investment tool. And man, once I read that again, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I've been lied to. Why isn't anyone talking about this? And I, I remember I went and I shared it with a bunch of people and everyone said, Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. And in the beginning, when people would told me it was crazy, I believed them. I thought, well, if it's crazy, I should just go back to the 401k. Right. But the more results I was getting in the path of doing things, not just better than everyone else, but doing the exact opposite, the more I realized when people said it's crazy, I'm onto something. And so mm-hmm. I went deeper down that path and I realized high cash value life insurance has been a tool of the wealthy mm-hmm. for years, for generations, for decades. And in the long run, it's not what you make, right? It's what you keep that really makes you wealthy. And I've seen this over and over and over in people's lives. You know, they find a ways to make money either through business or real estate or their career, but they've never figured out how to keep it. Mm-hmm. And all the high cash value life insurance is, it's a place to keep your money where you protect it from markets, you protect it from inflation, you protect it from creditors and predators, you protect it from the biggest destroyer of wealth, which is taxes. And so it's this place, it's a private life insurance contract where you can keep your money. But one of the most powerful components of it is if it's set up right, you can leverage the policy just like a bank and use the cash, even though it's still growing and compounding, you can leverage it and use it to accomplish Mm -hmm. other goals like buying cash flowing real estate. And that's where this system came from is I put this idea of, well, I'm going to use life insurance to keep my money, but then I'm going to leverage life insurance to buy real estate. Mm -hmm. And how do we blend these two together? And I'm sure there's other people that were doing it, but at the time that I started doing it, everyone said it was nuts. So and it was crazy, mm-hmm. but it was somehow working for me. And so that's where, that's what okay, we Okay, wait, at. I'm going to ask the question that I know a lot of our listeners are going to have on their minds. How the heck do you use life insurance while you're still living? Isn't that something for after you pass and then you pass that money on to your, your family and your kids? How do you actually use it during your life? 
Yeah, Annie, that's such a great question. You know, so life insurance, I mean, if you really look at it, some of the wealthiest people and, and most successful people, they have millions, if not billions of dollars in cash value life insurance, where banks keep their safest form of tier one capital is in high cash value life insurance. When you go down this rabbit hole, you got to be really careful because you won't be able to stop and you'll, you'll realize that everything we're taught to do, like the wealthy, they're doing the exact opposite. And so all life insurance is, is it can be exactly what you talked about, Annie. And for most people, it's a promise that if you pass away, the life insurance company will replace what they call your human life value, your ability to earn income, and that will be replaced in the form of a death benefit. But if you think about it, it's kind of like, you know, most people, when they buy this insurance policy, they're betting on the fact that they won't die. They don't want to die, right? But the insurance company is betting on the fact that, you know, that they will die. And there's this dichotomy there. And if they do die, yeah, the insurance company pays out a death benefit, but it's really no, it's not a wealth building instrument. Um, but the, the type of policies that we set up, we actually follow a section in the IRS code. And what it does is it qualifies and it outlines what qualifies life insurance as life insurance. And the objective is with these type of policies, all we want to do is we want to figure out how much money you want to put into the policy. So I want you to think about it kind of like a bank account, right? Your money always has to live somewhere. And if we say, okay, Annie, you have a goal to save X amount of dollars per year, then we can take that number and we can say, okay, for Annie, what's the least amount of life insurance she's going to need in order to maximize the cash value Mm-hmm. of the policy. And the cash value is mm-hmm. kind of like the equity in a home, right? That equity is there and we can leverage that equity in a home to go, you know, do cash out refis and do other things. We can put that equity inside of a policy where it's going to grow. It's going to be safe. It's going to be private. It's going to receive a guaranteed return backed up by companies who've issued these returns for hundreds of years. And we have a guaranteed opportunity that just like a bank, we can leverage the value or the equity of our policy taking policy loans, and then go out and do something else with those policy loans. And when you understand the math and the concept behind this, it allows you to bring the tool of leverage, which is one of the most powerful tools in finance. It allows you to bring the tool of of leverage to your financial plan, leverage the money from a vault or a life insurance policy, and then use that leverage to go then buy another piece of real estate or a piece of real estate where you can use even more leverage. And again, it has to be done in a way that you're not putting yourself at excessive risk, but it's a way to speed everything up. If you're making $1 do multiple jobs, then your financial game plan goes faster. Wait a second. You just said something. Make $1 do multiple jobs. Wait a second. How do you do that? Don't you, isn't every dollar I have to choose, right? $1, I either put it in the bank and it earns interest, or I invest it and it earns a return, or I put it you know, in a life insurance policy and it grows there. But how do you get it to do multiple things? It's so powerful, Annie. It's so funny. I was actually, so this is right at the tail end of my corporate career that I was learning this stuff. And I thought, you know, if I'm not going fast enough in what I'm going to do, so I'm just going to go get a master's degree. And I thought, you know, if I get a master's degree, I'll earn more money and I can throw more money at what I'm doing. And I'll never forget. It was so funny. I started learning about this exact concept while I was getting a master's degree in finance. And I re- that was the first time I realized I committed. I'm out. I'm not going to climb the corporate ladder. But I stayed in my master's program and I sat in the back of the room, kind of like a kid reading a comic book, you know, as they were all talking about whatever they were talking about. I was reading these books in the back, learning how to become financially free. And, you know, think about it this way. If you take a dollar, you know, you're going to go put it in a bank account, right? Let's say you take $1,000 and you put it in a bank account. 
the bank doesn't put a post-it note on that thousand dollars and say, Hey, this is Annie's money. Let's mm. keep it here and wait for her to come back and get it. Right. The bank literally takes that thousand dollars and they mm. run their entire business. Right. So they're using a form of leverage to say, Hey, Annie, put your money here. We'll give you whatever benefits come with having a bank account. And then we'll leverage your money to go run our business. That's exactly how we use a life insurance policy. So what it means is you would put money into a policy that's flush with cash. So it's just like having money in a bank account. Then you would get to come to that life insurance policy and say, I'm going to take a policy loan. I'm going to pull the equity out of the policy and go do something else with it. But the insurance company, what they allow you to do is the policy loan comes from the insurance company. Okay, They're not going to take the money out of your policy. And what that means is your policy is still going to compound and grow. So your money's growing inside of an insurance policy, achieving a long-term goal. But in the short term, you get to leverage the value of that policy and achieve a short-term goal of buying an asset that's generating cash flow. And I won't go through like the numbers of it here, but the math of it is really simple. The insurance company, they charge on a policy loan a simple interest rate, meaning just like a mortgage, every time I make a payment to pay back the policy loan, more of my payment goes to principal, paying down the value of the policy loan and less of it goes to interest. So the cost goes down. Whereas in the policy, I'm earning a compounding rate of return. So my money is compounding and growing every single year, but I get to use the leverage of making my dollar work in a life insurance policy and in a piece of real estate at the same time. And the reason the insurance company does this with these type of policies, they've already committed and they know that they owe you money. So it's a death benefit. If I died, if I took a $100,000 policy loan outstanding and I died the next day, the insurance company would pay out the death benefit, which they've already committed to do, minus the loan that I've taken out. So I get to use my policy as this open line of credit to maximize the efficiency of my financial plan and make my money work in multiple assets at the same time. So powerful. So So powerful. I remember the first time I heard you say that to be able to have your money work for you in, you know, two different places at the same time, because I think the example you said is most of the time, you know, when you're given money, you either, you you have two choices, you either spend it or you save it, but you can't do both at the same time. And so this idea of being able to do both at the same time is just like mind blowing for me. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, because I know we're running up on time here. I want to talk really quickly about cash flow tactics and what, what is cash flow tactics? What can it do for people? What is the central like theme behind it? It's I'm part of the group. It's such an amazing community. You're always posting all these, you know, really motivating posts about just ideas about money and finances and things like that. So talk to us a little really quickly about that. Oh, awesome, Julian. I appreciate that. And I love that you're part of the group. You know, as we, as we were building Atlas Well Solutions, it was primarily around life insurance. In fact, when I met you, it was a life insurance discussion, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And life insurance has so many components to it and there's so many different ways to use it. But once you had your life insurance policy set up, then it was like, okay, go do something, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and for me, that's never what it was about, right? When I first set up my policy, it wasn't just to have a policy. It was to become free. Mm-hmm. real estate. It wasn't about having real estate. In fact, people laugh when I tell them this, I don't really like real estate. <laughs> I love what it does for me. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way, yeah. but I don't want to be a professional real estate investor. I'm, right. I'm horrible. I can't fix anything. <laughs> I'm not a very good property manager. My tenants would walk all over me, but I wanted the outcome. I wanted the outcome of the strategy right. of owning my time. And so as we started to look into this, you know, people were coming and asking us questions. And in the beginning, we were talking about life insurance and real estate, but we were only giving them a life insurance policy saying, hey, now you go figure it out. 
And that just, it wasn't working and it wasn't good enough. And so Brad, my very same business partner that started Atlas Wealth, we, we got back together. We shut our business down for almost an entire year. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Guys, I want you to imagine this, right? Yeah. The only reason we, you can be purpose-driven to that extent is not because like, we weren't generating active income for almost a year. It was, it was eight months. Oh my gosh. And the reason we were able to do that was because of the base of being financially free. We mm-hmm. got to get, look at our situation and say, okay, what business do we want to create and what is the outcome and the impact that we want to make? And it was cash flow tactics. And you can see the sign behind me. When we were building cash flow tactics, we didn't want to talk about rates of return. We didn't really want to talk about life insurance and real estate. Those are tools. We wanted to talk about the outcome. Mm-hmm. We, our, our audience, I mean, yes, they want life insurance. And yes, they want real estate, but they want the outcome of living free. Yeah. And we start off what we talk about. It's rising up. Yeah. I truly believe just like it was for my situation. I truly believe for anyone out there, the idea of financial freedom will never happen for most of the world. It mm-hmm. never will. They're going to be dependent on the stock market. They're going to be dependent on the government, on social security, on their family, because they're unwilling to do the one fundamental thing that's required, rise up, take control, question their reality and rise up and understand if you want something, the only thing standing in the way of you being free and where you're at today is you. That's a scary proposition for most people, but for our audience, Julie, for Annie, just like you guys, you heard the same call and it's something that's deep inside of our hearts. You rose up, you took action. Some of the things you learned the hard way, but you were determined to become free mm-hmm. by taking action. And that's what our group is about in Cashflow Tactics. It's about embracing the idea that no one will care more about your financial plan than you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put the control in your, in your hands. We're going to have a game plan and we're going to use a very, very fundamental set of principles that we've tested on ourselves first and on hundreds of people now mm-hmm. since that time. And we're going to show you how you can become financially free in 10 years or less not so you can sit on a beach and retire so you can live a purpose-driven life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So powerful. So powerful. Um, so what does that game plan look like? Like what can somebody expect if they went, wanted to join the community? What is the What kind of a game plan? What do you, what kind of things do you talk about? What do you put together? What can they expect to see there? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and it, like it takes everyone by surprise so oftentimes because everyone comes and they're, they're expecting to talk about, well, this rate of return is better than that rate of return and this thing's better than that thing. Our definitive view is 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. Mm-hmm. And if we can put that frame on it, our goal isn't to help you do what everyone else is doing better because it doesn't work, especially when we put the time frame of 10 years or less. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to do the exact opposite, right? And so... This is why we resonate and connect so well with your community because Mm -hmm. our goal is to own and control our time. And we do that through the best asset that you have is you go figure Mm -hmm. out how to create value and make money Mm -hmm. then figure out how to keep the money that you make. And that's where the vault comes in Mm -hmm. and then figure out how to leverage your vault and turn it into cash flow. And that's where real estate comes in. And once we have these three components put together, we show a path to repeat that process and it's boring. It's boring. It's boring. It's boring, but that's why it works. It's simple and it's boring, but then we can, we can, you know, zoom back out and say, okay, what do you really Mm -hmm. want? Mm -hmm. Because we've done 
thousands of game plans now. And I can't remember not a single person that's came and told me how much real estate they want and how many vaults they want. Mm -hmm. They've told me how much time they want to spend with their family, the book that they've always wanted to write, the the trips that they want to take, the the service that they want to provide. They've told me what they want to do with their most valuable resource, their time. Mm -hmm. And these tools, life insurance and real estate, they're just tools to get our time back. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. I love that. The best asset is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of that. Awesome. Well, should we move into the, to the last Let's part of it. the show? The best part, the yes. speed round, the power round. Here we go. All right. This is the investing for good impact round. So we're going to ask you three questions. Uh, the first one is investing in yourself. So what is one thing that you're doing today to invest in yourself? So how are your investments serving you uh, today? And, and what is that outcome and how has it changed your life? First off, if you're okay, I, I just want to say how much I appreciate these questions because honestly, I look at what the two of you do and you guys, I don't believe that any person can lead what they don't live. And the mm-hmm. two of you lead yeah. exactly these questions because of how you live. Yeah. Um, Julie, yeah. the last time yeah. I talked to you, do you remember where you were? In Hawaii. In Hawaii, right? Yeah. You were in Hawaii living the life that you planned and intentionally wanted to live with your children, being purpose-driven. And Annie, before we started this podcast, what were we talking about? The book. That's right. The book right. that you guys just got done writing. You guys live purpose-driven lives. And I truly believe that the best investment you can make is in yourself. So for me, one of the best ways I do is, and I love this time of year to do it, but I'm always clear. There's three questions that I ask myself over and over and over and over again. And I think this is really what's transformed my life and helped build some of the things that people can now see. But it was by taking a level of intention, getting clear on what I want. And having such a clear mental picture on what I want, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What would my life be like when I had that thing, whether it was a house or the time with my family or a vacation to Hawaii or writing a book, I get clear on what I want. And then if, if all I have is that, that image in my mind, if I don't anchor it to an emotional connection, then it's likely just to stay in my mind. Mm-hmm. So then I get clear on why I want that thing. Why am I willing, you know, because writing a book, that's not easy. And building a financial plan that allows you to go to Hawaii for months on end, that's not easy. And it's going to require you to be not just mentally committed, but emotionally committed to it. Mm -hmm. Once I'm clear on what I want and why it matters, then I ask myself the most powerful question. Who do I need to become? And that always opens up new answers. Sometimes I need to invest in, you know, in in hanging out with people like the two of you because I really want to write a book. And up to this point, I haven't been able to do it. So I ask myself, who do I need to become? And that opens me up to saying, okay, what are the mindsets, the skill sets, and the network that I need to generate to, to bridge the gap between where I'm at today and where I want to be? Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you're always posting pictures of you doing things outdoors and spending time with yourself. And I think that that's something that a lot of people overlook in terms of being able to, um, you know, they're always, I feel like a lot of folks are always looking outside of themselves to find what they need and find those answers. And, uh, I know that you're very intentional about spending time with yourself and making sure that you're having those kinds of conversations with yourself to, um, you know, really figure out where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Um, and, uh, so that's awesome. 
Cool. Let's do the second question. This one is my favorite. So what is one investment strategy uh, that you can share with our audience uh, that you think will really help them move the needle in terms of uh, changing their lives? Uh, love that. And I don't know if there's, man, it's so hard. There's so many. I know, I know. <laughs> you know. Since we're talking a lot about real estate, this was a fundamental shift for me. And it's such a small thing, but it's made, mm-hmm. it's paid so many dividends in my life over the years. But think about it this way. Have you ever had a piece of real estate write you a check? Yeah. I never have, right? I mean, I own real estate, Yeah. but it's the tenant that writes me the check. Right. And, you know, if we kind of go down this rabbit hole a little bit, that one of the fundamental principles that I believe is people are the assets. Mm-hmm. They're always the assets. And, you know, I think so oftentimes in the world of finance, we get so focused on the balance sheet and the numbers and the, you know, the, the actual value of the piece of real estate. That is just a perception, right? The real asset, the real investment is in people. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I looked at real estate as that was the thing. But as I shifted my focus and my attention mm-hmm. on people, I started buying the right properties that would attract the right people. And especially as I, as I got into this idea that I want to own and control my time, mm-hmm. I started investing in people to build a team mm-hmm. to do most of the work in real estate for me. And the more investments I can make in my t- team and people and relationships, the more time I have. And, you know, one really, really simple thing, and this started very, very early on, you know, property management. I, I love paying a property manager. For me, that's not an expense. That's a tool. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to manage the property myself. Yeah. But we're coming up on Christmas and every single year for all of my property managers, I send them a Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. most people would look at that. Oh, that's going to lower your cash on cash return. Right. That's expense. How do I get a tax deduction on that? Like, <laughs> I think about it. I'm going to invest in this person and help them understand that they are helping me get what I want. And I've had property managers go above and beyond for me over and over and over again, not because I've asked them, but because I've treated them like the real investment and they reciprocate that back to me. God, I love that. I love that. I feel like that's, that is so, um, overlooked. Even the idea of just like delegating is hard Mm -hmm. for me. Annie, you know, that that's something that I struggled with in the past, um, but yeah, just feet, you know, helping other people and, you know, really making mm-hmm. them feel valued and appreciated is something that I feel like I'm always mm-hmm. working on um, because I think it's one of those things that you can often forget when you get caught up in those numbers and, you know, yeah. you're not thinking about that. Me so, too. I'm taking notes. Yeah. I'm going to go out and get yeah. my property manager's a gift right after this. <laughs> oh man, it's so oh, awesome. Oh I had a gosh. property manager go to court for me a, a couple of years back and it was it was over something so stupid, but he's like, you know what, Ryan, I love you. I love working with you. I'm, I'm just going to take care of it for you. I didn't ask him to do it. I, it was going to be really hard for me to come to that stadium and have to show up in court. He just went and represented mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And it was because of all the deposits I'd made, I believe, yeah. in his life mm-hmm. up to that. And when I needed to take a, a withdrawal on that, on that emotional account, there was something to withdraw against instead right. of it just being an empty balance. Right. You had give, given enough. So it wasn't just a take, take, take relationship. Love yeah. it. All right. Last question. So what are you doing to invest in the world and make the world a better place? Love that. (laughs) That's another good one. So I think, you know, so much of what financial freedom means for me is Mm -hmm. going back to where we started. It's being able to be intentional with my family. And I remember I read one of your blog posts. It's been a while now, but you guys had a picture and I think you were at a school, like just a an assembly or something like that. And, and the, the tagline or the, the title of your blog was 
this is what financial freedom looks like, right? It looks like being able to spend time with your children in something that most parents, they, they miss completely. They're not involved with their children because they're trading the majority of their time, hoping that one day they'll get their time back, but they miss the best years. And I think more than anything, what I can do is I can pay it forward to my family. And um, I'm very, very intentional now about how I help my children. They've all invested in real estate. They've all come with me to collect rent. They've all demolition properties. They've all begun to learn the hands-on lessons that people are assets, that cash flow greater than expenses is freedom, that time is their greatest asset. Right now, we just implemented a program, and uh, I love this. It's been going for about two years now, and we call it, you know, in the corporate world, it's the corporate, you know, 401k match. We call it the Lee family match. For every dollar that my children earn outside of our home, we match it a dollar. And it's meant to help them understand how to create and exchange value, how to think like an entrepreneur. And I tell you what, my daughter right now, she might, I might have to go buy a couple more houses just to stay ahead of her. She is just like, uh, man, she's just out crushing life. It's just fun to watch this idea of it's people and it's creating value and money is such a great teaching tool. Mm -hmm. So for me, all I can do is I can raise the best, like in my little circle of influence, give the most I can to those people my children, my community, and hope that that ripple effect passes on into lives that I'll never see or touch. How old are your kids now? So my oldest is 14. My daughter, who I was just talking about, she's 11. And then my youngest is seven. And, you know, we have a whole family finance system that we go through. We have family council where we we use money as kind of a tool to, to have family discussions around value, around what we want. So it's just, it's a really, really fun thing to, to teach some of the lessons that I've learned in a way mm-hmm. like to, to my children that number one, they understand it. And number two, they take action on it. So they learn it and, and really in, integrate it into their life. We're going to have to do a part two. We're going to have to mm-hmm. do a part two where we bring you on and we talk just completely about family and all these different things that you guys do. Cause I know that there's so many cool things that you guys do. Um, and uh, so fun to watch. I would love that. And, and p- part of the part two, you've got to help me write a book. I want to write a book on this. Yes. I've got the outline. I just, I need to hang out with people like the two of you that are so <laughs> intentional and focused that that'll help me do that. We'll help you get it done. It's not as hard as you think. <laughs> and uh, you'll have to start a cash flow tactics junior because I'm sure that there are lots of parents out there who would want this for their kids. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, um, I agree 100%. We, we haven't announced this yet, but my wife and I were starting our own podcast. It's called Relentless Freedom. And it's around how we, how we handle, you know, just marriage and life, right? How oh, we nice. Life and finance will be part of that. Cool. Nice. Can't wait. We'll definitely watch out for that. Relentless freedom. Well, Ryan Lee, co-founder of Cashflow Tactics and co-creator of Atlas Wealth. Ryan, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Annie, and, and I really, really appreciate that. It's been such a pleasure, Julie. It's been, I, I love this. I mean, I've known you for so long and seeing what the two of you have created and the impact that you guys are having. I just want you to know from, from my perspective to yours, you guys are making an amazing impact on helping people get clear on exactly what we talked about, what they want, that time is freedom. Time is really the assets. And mm-hmm. just so grateful to be part of this podcast in your community. Thanks, Ryan. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design and impact the world around them. 
For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast. And be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.